Good morning, everybody, and welcome. Yes, God is very good. We're excited at all that's that's happening. Um, thank you so much to all the teams for helping us get a set up, and it's fun to celebrate things like people staying in a hotel, coming down to a church service to hear about Jesus and deciding to put their faith in him. Uh, so we're so grateful for, for all the teams and, and all that, that you do to help us have the ministry that God's had us here. Uh, let's pray, and then we'll, we'll jump into today's uh, teaching. Father, we do praise you for decisions like the one that was made this last week and others like it in the, in the recent past. Uh, Lord, would you please help uh, these uh, folks who have put, put their faith in Jesus recently to just grow in their faith, to be rooted in you. And Father, as we look to your word now, would you speak to each of us? Would you please fill us each with your Holy Spirit to understand what you have in front of us? We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, what we do here on Sunday mornings is obviously really important. The scriptures have a lot to say about the gathering of God's people for worship, for prayer, for song, for listening to the sermons, all, all very important. But there's so much more to the faith, of course, that, that goes on. So much more of it happens outside these walls in the everyday of life. And what I love about the text that was just read is we see a snapshot of Jesus following God, his father, in the everyday of life. Uh, this is a text that I've read a lot over the years, but it wasn't until this time preparing for this message that all these little descriptors really stood out to me in this way. Look again at verse 38. It says, Jesus left the synagogue. That's to say he left church. He had just spent some time doing the gathering, worshiping God, his father, praying, singing songs. He gave the sermon last we saw. And then it says he went to the home of Simon. Simon was uh, his main disciple, a guy he would later rename Peter. He went to his house. That's to say that he went to an everyday place where we're going to see an everyday sort of occurrence happen. And then in verses 40 and 42, we're told about what Jesus did at, quote, sunset and daybreak. In other words, what Jesus did during the after hours and what Jesus did at the start of day. Here we have Jesus modeling for us how we can follow God in the everyday. And so we're going we're gonna to consider this uh, different principles for how we can follow Jesus in the everyday. Uh, again, in verse 38, it says he left the synagogue. So while this message is about following Jesus in the everyday, I do want to notice that it starts with Jesus in the synagogue. That was kind of their version of, of, of church back then. Uh, Jesus found going to church to be very important. Okay, a couple uh, weeks ago when we looked at the last message, he went there. That's where they sang the songs. That's where the worship gathering of God's people came together. He taught the message. It was a very short message. Eight words that changed everything we considered last week. But they went to their version of church. And then it says he's, he's leaving, which is to say, before we jump into the everyday of following God, that church matters to Jesus. It was something that he prioritized. In fact, if you look back a few verses in chapter 4, you'll see that on the Sabbath, he went into the synagogue as was his custom. That's to say, this was a routine part of his life. Jesus really prioritized going to church, the gathering of God's people. It was, it was a top priority to him. And think of it this way. It's like of all the people who probably didn't need to go to church, it was probably Jesus, right? I mean, he was this perfect relationship with God, his father, uh, and talk about like hearing God's word and like being transformed by it. I don't think Jesus really needed to be transformed by God's word all that much. Actually, not at all. It's his word. And yet Jesus prioritized it. It was something super important to him. Uh, so I think the, the thought here, of course, is we need to prioritize church. I understand I'm preaching a little bit to the choir. By definition, you being here, uh, it's a priority. But this is something we need to prioritize. As was his custom, Jesus would go. Cindy and I had the opportunity 
uh, this last weekend to get away for a little bit of time. It's the first time uh, after the pandemic, during the pandemic, sort of, kind of through the pandemic. I don't know where we are right now. I'm going to be praying. Uh, but anyways, it was the first time kind of in a long time, so it was wonderful to get away. We're so grateful for it. Uh, one of the things I really appreciated about uh, my time growing up, uh, a little bit more on this side of being a kid, though, uh, is that whenever I was on vacation with, with my family, my parents always made a real effort and purpose to go to church. Like even when we're out kind of, you know, in a different setting, they would find a way to go to church. And, of course, nowadays you can go online and attend church online service. Maybe some of you guys are doing that right now. Uh, th so there's different, when we're, and then when we were, like, camping, just out off in the boonies, right, we would make a point, they would always make a point of doing a little devotional, just stopping everything we were doing. And even though we we're on vacation, my parents would just have us as, as kids. I was a little more reluctant when I was younger, but then when I was older, I saw the value of it. Stopping and focusing and saying, this is an important thing. I remember not too long ago, there was a couple of, uh, there, was a, there was a current group that went away for a couple of nights, Friday, Saturday, and then uh, they, they intentionally drove back early on Sunday morning so they could worship here with all of us. I thought, it's like, man, that's the kind of thing I imagine God is, is really, really honored by. This is something that was super important to Jesus, and therefore it needs to be important to us. A gathering of God's people. Not just a nice thing to do. Not a, I'll do it if I kind of feel like it sort of thing. But, but at the beginning of the week, saying, Lord, this past week and this week in front of me, it's all yours. My life, it's yours. And I just want to start with, with worshiping you. Okay, but that's not the sermon, okay? The sermon's not about uh, at church. The sermon's about following Jesus in the everyday. So here we see four uh, ways, it seems to me, that Jesus models following Jesus in the everyday. Four ways, it seems to me, from this text at least. Number one, we see that Jesus made himself available in the everyday to care for others. Look again at verses 38 and 39. Jesus left the synagogue and went to the home of Simon. Now Simon's mother-in-law was suffering from a high fever, and they asked Jesus to help her. So he bent over her and rebuked the fever, and it left her. Okay, so Jesus was making himself available in the everyday. And, and notice here that he made himself available in private. I mean, this was not something he was doing in front of the masses in the limelight. Not that Jesus did things for the notoriety, but he wasn't going to gain any of that in doing this. This was off to the side. He's something he did in private, made himself available to help this woman. He made himself available in, every, in everyday type of situations. It's not like Simon's mother-in-law had leprosy, another thing that Jesus would heal quite a bit, a pretty scary disease at that time. It's not like, you know, she was blind or deaf. Other types of things that Jesus would heal, be famous for. Not like she had passed away and Jesus raised her again to life. Again, another thing that Jesus would do, Luke, the physician, I might add, tells us that he, she had a high-grade fever. Now, back then, they didn't have modern medicine as we do today, so having a fever was a little more scary than it would be today. But we're talking about an everyday sort of, of, of you know, illness type thing, and Jesus healed her. Every, he was available in the everyday sorts of situations. He, was, he made himself available to those whom God had placed around him. I love that Luke, in his account here, calls out the fact that this was Simon's mother-in-law. What about the other people who had fever in that day, you know, in, in, in the other regions or surrounding nearby cities or towns or whatever? Jesus healed this gal as, he was, as she was there in his life. As life happened, in other words, Jesus was available. Now, wouldn't it be awesome if we could heal miraculously like Jesus did? But we can be available to serve and minister to others, but often we aren't available, or at least in ways that we could be. Often we're too, quote, <laughs> busy, right? It's like the classic response to the question, how are you doing in the Silicon Valley? Often you'll get, I'm, I'm busy. Now, in a very, very real way, 
to make it in this place, to remain in this place, you have to be busy, okay? Uh, it's so competitive here. It's so expensive to be here. Uh, all the responsibilities that are here, you've, you've got to be busy to kind of get by. But look again at verse 40. Luke goes on to write to say, at sunset, the people brought to Jesus all who had various kinds of sickness. And laying his hands on each of them, he healed them. And then listen to Mark's parallel account. He said, the whole town gathered at the door, and Jesus healed many who had various diseases. Now, I understand that towns back then were much smaller than they are today, but come on, the whole town showing up at the doorstep? Jesus must have been up into the late, late hours of the evening, healing folks, being with their, which is to say, we cannot, and I put myself under this heading, we cannot go and say, I'm just too busy to make myself available to others. I mean, there's got to be balance, and we're going to talk about that as we, go, as we go forward here, but we need to make ourselves or look for ways to make ourselves available to care for others, and busyness can't just be something that stops us from that. Because if we start to think that we're too busy, it's the minute we see that Jesus is actually quite a bit more busy, and yet he made himself available. I mean, I've never, never had as my excuse for being too busy, the whole town was showing up at my door. I can't be available, available to help you. I'm sorry. Jesus made himself available in public and in private, in the synagogue and on the street. And for many of us, I think we can often convince ourselves that we're probably more busy than we actually are. I remember leading a college ministry uh, right after I had graduated from college. So I just kind of turned around right after graduating and, and helped with this, this college ministry. And it was funny. I, I kind of like got a glimpse into what I was like as a college student. Because I'd go to these college students and say, hey, we're getting ready to do this. You want to be, you want to come out and you help us or you want to be part of this different event or come attend this, whatever we're doing. And they would give me the answer that I always gave others, which I wanted to be a part of whatever it was that was being suggested. But I, oh, no, I'm too busy. I've got to get all my work done. I've got to do, write my papers. I've got to go, you know, do that project. And, you know, I like to think of myself as a, as a, as a hardworking student. I, I, I was doing all of that. I was working really hard. But the reality is on the flip side of graduating and doing graduate work, full-time job, uh, you know, some ministry on the side, and not even yet, by the way, having kids and other responses that kind of add up with life, I realized, man, I hadn't been that busy. Um, but I had just seen life a little bit differently. Look, in the Silicon Valley, there's always more work that can be done. There's always more things that, be, that, can, that we can do. And so it'll take effort, even discipline, to be available to those whom God has us around. Jesus made himself available to care and serve and to heal others. And then look at verse 41. It says, moreover, Luke adds, demons came out of many people. He rebuked them. Uh, there's quite a bit we could talk about in terms of the demonic. We don't have time for that, so we won't get into all of it. But as far as what we're looking at here, we can see that Jesus was willing, as he made himself available, to enter into the mess of people's lives. Um, again, regardless of what you think of the demonic, I've been around uh, parts of the world, uh, actually, including Berkeley, where I think I've probably experienced this sort of thing. I've, I've had my share of experiences with mental health illness and that sort of thing. I'm talking about things that like would make my skin crawl type deal. It's just to say that whatever the case with that, this, these people were probably in an intense situation that Jesus was opening himself up to and making himself, he was willing to enter into the mess. He was making himself available to what people were going through. 
again, I just want to highlight it, put a little bookmark, because we're going to talk about this, this more as we go. The point of this message is not, therefore, now go kill yourself in order to be available to others, serve, serving and caring for them. Uh, that's not what we're saying, but we, what we are saying is we do need to wrestle with this thought of, are we making ourselves available? It seems to me that typically what we can do, the human condition, is, is just to convince ourselves that we aren't able to be there. We, and, and the question here becomes then, how can we make ourselves more available? Including, by the way, to those whom are around us, but we don't tend to see or notice, but God has placed us around. I love this fun little detail that Luke throws into the account here. After Jesus heals Simon's mother-in-law, uh, he says, she got up at once, verse 39, and began to wait on them. Uh, did you catch that detail as we read it? It's, it's an interesting thought. I've kind of pondered it as I've read this text down the years. It seems to me it, it, it's saying at least in regards to what we're saying that she made herself available to others, right? Jesus healed her, and what does she do? You know, kick up her feet, you know, rec you know recover for the next few hours or days or whatever, just be like, hey, I was just sick. I, I'm, I'm just... No, she gets up and she starts waiting on them, serving, loving, caring for them. No doubt reasoning in her mind, oh my goodness, I have an opportunity now. I'm feeling well enough. Okay, I have an opportunity to serve these people, this, 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 this guy who's, who served me. And by the way, as he's serving others. As we make ourselves available or think about this, there's so many avenues we could go down in terms of thinking about points of application, what this can mean in our lives. And I think we need to get creative about it. What would it mean for you to be available? Well, her example shows us one of these ways we can make ourselves available is through hospitality opening up our homes. I mean, think about that in a pandemic. I mean, open up your yard or patio or maybe meet in a park. But the point is serving meeting needs in, 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 in connecting with people, helping them feel welcome, loved, cared for just by serving them in, in, in seemingly small ways. Can you imagine what's going to be like in heaven for this gal? Uh, she's going to say for all eternity, man, I got to serve Jesus. I would love to be able to say that. But Jesus at one point says, when you serve others, you're serving me. And so we need to make ourselves available. Jesus in the everyday made himself available. Number two, Jesus, we see here, prioritized prayer. It says in verse 42, at daybreak, Jesus went out to a solitary place. In Mark's account, he gives us a little bit more detail. He says, very early in the morning, while it was still dark, Jesus got up, left the house, and went off to a solitary place where he prayed. Jesus was a man of prayer. All over the scripture accounts, we have different prayers recorded of Jesus. He, he was constantly praying. But here, in this little sliver of text, we have a little insight, a little glimpse into what this looked like in his schedule, in his, in his routine, maybe. Now, it doesn't say Jesus went out early in the morning to pray, as was his custom. It doesn't say that, okay? But it does say that he went out to pray. So whether he did it this one time, or whether he did it a few times like this, or whether this is something he did all the time, Regardless, it shows us that Jesus really prioritized prayer. The whole town had literally just been at the doorstep of where he was hanging out, asking for healing. So Jesus, no doubt, was exhausted, right? Physically, emotionally, spiritually. And what did that lead Jesus to do? Get a few extra hours of sleep the next day? I'll be real, that's probably what I would have done. No, it led him to pray. He needed time with his father. And so what we see is busyness didn't drive Jesus away from prayer. It actually drove him towards prayer. Uh, there was a book I read a number of years ago. The book's okay, but the title's great. You, all you need is the title, really. 
The title is Too Busy Not to Pray. There's the book. I mean, that's, that's really the thought here. Jesus, Jesus had busyness and the exhaustion and the mental state he was in and all of that push him towards, drive him towards prayer. He was too busy not to pray. He had to spend time with his heavenly father. At a previous church I worked at, there was this uh, gentleman, high-ranking officer in the army. I think he was a colonel, which would mean that he was like one rank shy of being a general. So, so high up there. And, and you know military uh, People, they, they are very disciplined. They go about their day just kind of, you know, very, very disciplined. He was giving a talk, and he talked about how he said, you know, at the beginning of my day, every day, what I do is before I go into the base to report to my commanding officer, I go outside with my Bible and to pray and report to the commanding officer. To hear my marching orders from him, to hear what he has or wants, might want me to be thinking about on a given day. Jesus needed to spend time with his father. Now, I, again, I want to emphasize that this is a descriptive thought, not a prescriptive thought. There's nowhere in the scriptures where it says, if you are a follower of Jesus, therefore you need to wake up early in the morning and go out and pray. It doesn't say that. Instead, we have this description of Jesus prioritizing, giving us a principle that we too need to prioritize, it, which means you might, you might not be a morning person. And if that's okay, don't feel guilty. It's okay. You can pray at night. You could find other time. You could do it on your drive to work or on, on a lunch break or whatever it might be. But the point is, find a way, if you can, to prioritize prayer. Uh, there's one principle that really st- st- sticks out here, low-hanging fruit. It says that Jesus went out to a solitary place, meaning he removed distractions. You know what probably distracts us perhaps more than anything else from praying? Any guesses what I was going to pull out of my pocket there? I mean, I remember when I first got this thing, uh, my, my, my iPhone, I was a little uh, late to the game. It was a couple of years after everybody around me at least had, had these uh, smartphones. And I was really excited about it because I was still texting, you know, a hundred button, two sentence, you know, text. It's like, oh, hello, how are you doing? I was just excited to get something where you could start texting a little bit faster. But I remember I was looking at this and I was starting to understand the concept of an app, which of course has totally blown up since then. This is early days, right? And uh, my brother-in-law who had had a phone at that point, he said something I'll never forget. He said, David, you're, there's not, you know, the rest of you, for the rest of your life, you're not going to go five minutes without looking at this phone. And, I, and I, in that moment, I thought, that is crazy. There's no way. That, that's insane. Like, I know he's probably being, you know, using hyperbole here, but no, no way. And we all know that's the truth of it. <laughs> I mean, it, these things, they're always there. Jesus removed his distraction. Maybe for you, reading the scripture needs to not be on this thing. I don't want to be legalistic about it. Hey, if that's your thing, do it, okay? Um, but maybe you need to go old school and remember these things. As a pastor, I go to every meeting with a Bible. Uh, In years past, I used to have this little Bible that would fit in my pocket. I don't do that anymore because I go with this thing. But I always remember, oh, no, I don't want to be. You might have to go old school, right, and find a Bible. We have some up there, by the way, if you want some. Uh, But the, the, the point is, find a way to remove the distractions. Jesus went out to a solitary place where people were straight up trying to find him. They couldn't find him. A little hide and go seek for Jesus there. He found a spot to just go out and spend time undistracted with his heavenly father. Uh, again, this, it might mean getting creative for yourself. You know, for those of you with uh, little ones in the, in the home, uh, you know, there's different ways you could go about doing this. You could just wait till they're in bed. You might be tired falling asleep yourself. So maybe you could tag team and watch the, I don't know. The point is, think about it. For some of you guys, maybe go on a walk 
is getting to a quote-unquote solitary place. That really helps me. And you know what? You can actually pray with your eyes open. That's a thing. You're allowed to do that. I do that just so I'm not like walking into cars or whatever. But the point is just to find a way that's off to the side, just solitary, where you could spend time with your father, your heavenly father. And, and, and I think the point here has to be if Jesus needed to pray, we need to pray. So Jesus made uh, uh, modeled following God in the everyday by making himself available. He prioritized prayer. And then number three, we see that he was willing to say no. Look again at verses 42 and 43. At daybreak, Jesus went out to a solitary place. The people were looking for him. And when they came to where he was, they tried to keep him from leaving. But he said, no, 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 I can't. I can't. He said, I must proclaim the good news of the kingdom of God to the other towns also, because that is why I was sent Uh, This is really remarkable. If you think about it, Jesus was being pursued for help, which we know, even if you didn't grow up in church or grew up reading the Bible or have never read the Bible once, you know Jesus cared about helping people. I mean, you could literally do this in the gospel accounts and just find Jesus always helping people. And yet here's a situation, here's an instance where people came and said, we would like your help. They're responding positively to Jesus. And he basically says, no, I can't. I've got to keep going, for that is why I sent. Jesus was willing to say no for a greater yes. I love this about this account when you start to think about what this means for us. Jesus was finite in his reach. As he walked the earth, son of God, son of man, he, was, he had limited scope, limited time, energy, and that, all, all the rest of it. And here we see Jesus navigating that. People coming for help, which he, he wanted to help people, and yet saying, no, I got to keep going. I got I to help others. He modeled, therefore, how we can say no for a greater yes. But notice that's what we're saying here. That Jesus said no for a greater yes. He didn't just say no to say, I got to go chill for a little bit. I'm going to say no so I can go get some, some me time. And the reason why I say that is I think from our culture, that's what we could potentially read into this. We could potentially go, okay. Jesus said no. Okay, so therefore I can say no so I can go and just get some more me time. Now, real quick sidebar here. The Bible has a lot to say about rest. Rest is super important. And I think in the Silicon Valley, it's something we actually probably don't do all that well, frankly. So rest is important. I'm not saying no to rest here. Sometimes we need to say no to get rest. So I'm not, okay. But I think what we can also do if we're not careful is say no to wonderful things, to miss out on greater things, perhaps even eternal things, which leads us actually to the last thought, which Jesus models for us in the everyday. He was laser focused on God's mission. To the people asking for more care and more of his time, he said, I can't stay here. Why? Verse 43, he said, I must, if you're the underlining type of person, I would, I would underline, highlight that word. I must proclaim the good news of the kingdom of God to other towns also, because that is why I'm sent, why I've been sent. Uh, we're really big on mission statements. I think it's grown the last couple of decades. We're all about mission statements, whether it's a company mission statement or it's a life mission statement. A lot of folks, many of you probably have a mission statement, like this is what I want my life to be about. This is what, this is what I am about. And that is great. It's really helpful. But here's, in a sense, Jesus giving us his mission statement. He says, to proclaim the good news of the kingdom of God. Uh, It was so good to get away uh, last weekend. Missed being here and and worshiping with you. But one of the things I love about getting away is it's just a great chance for kind of like, you know, 
pull the lens back and get some perspective, which I think I especially needed this year. I feel like I've been so tunnel vision, you know, just kind of in the pandemic mode and all that sort of thing. And, and one of the things I feel like the Lord brings back to mind uh, when I do get some perspective and just kind of some space is, is a verse that's meant a lot to me over the years. Psalm 90, verse 12, which says, uh, uh, teach us to number our days aright that we might gain a heart of wisdom. Teach us to number our days aright that we, may, we might gain a heart of wisdom. Life is precious and life is short. We didn't need a year of pandemic to, to help us understand that a little bit more deeply. And I know many of you, you don't have to be a pastor to see it kind of across the board, but I know for many of you that's been especially apparent in your life. Losing people who are close to you, several people who are close to you. It's been a rough year. Life is precious and life is short. Teach us to number our days aright that we might gain heart of wisdom. Jesus was laser focused on his mission. Jesus was laser focused on things of eternity. And he models that for us as, it was, as life is precious and short. We've got to be about the kingdom of God. When I got back vacation, I was looking at my email, which is always kind of a scary thing to do. <laughs> First thing you want to open up your email. But I saw an email that was really awesome. Someone sent in a connection card for, for a prayer request. And uh, the person wrote on there, uh, I would like prayer for being a better worker for Jesus. And I said to myself, amen. Jesus was laser focused on his mission. What was his mission? Notice he didn't say, I must go out and heal more people, which he, he does. He would go to do. Like that would, that's part of his mission, included part of his mission. And notice he didn't say, I must go and, and, and cast out more, more demons, which also he would go on to do. He said, I must proclaim the good news of the kingdom of God. I've got to tell people about the good news. What is the good news? The good news is that Jesus came to meet tangible needs, yes, but more than that, he came to meet spiritual needs. Jesus was all about healing people, taking care of needs, and doing all that, but what he cared about most was helping people take care of the greatest need, and that is bringing them back into a relationship with God, their Father. Bringing you back into a relationship with God, your Father. Dying for your sins and mine, that when we receive him, we can receive life forever in his name. He makes available free, cost him everything on the cross as he died for you and for me, but can be received freely. Jesus met lots of tangible needs on earth in his life, healing people as we see clearly in this text. I mean, he was healing a whole town. But his mission statement was, I must proclaim the good news of the kingdom of God. I got to tell people about this. It seems to me that Jesus often opened up, uh, used healing and making tangible and, and, and meeting tangible needs in order to open up a door to share the gospel, the good news. We had Dave Carlson here last uh, week preaching, uh, representing Foster the City and the care that they're doing through Foster the City. It's incredible. Many, uh, a number of you here today have been directly a part of that. We love you guys. We want to come alongside you guys. We have so much uh, respect and love and, and, and honor with, for you guys. Uh, many of you have helped in indirect ways. It's incredible to meet this need. But think about this. As they partner with churches in, to help with the foster system, they're not just meeting tangible needs as if that weren't enough. I mean, that's already, like, amazing. But as Christian families bring in these little ones into their family and proclaim good news to them, and by God's grace, if and when they put their faith in Jesus, think about that. 
for, not only for their lives, but the lives they'll touch going forward. It's incredible what Jesus wants to do. He said, I must proclaim the good news of, Je- uh, uh, the, good news of the kingdom of God. Jesus, in a way, wasn't just proclaiming the good news. He came to provide the good news on the cross. And friend, if you are a follower of Jesus, that's not only his mission, it's, it's your mission. It's my mission. The great commission known in the scriptures is uh, all authority on heaven and earth has been given to me. Jesus said to his followers, therefore go and make disciples, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey or take seriously all that I have commanded. That's our mission. So if you have a mission statement, or even if you don't, make sure that's included. Because these are things of, of eternity. And while we see Jesus going out and about, you know, going on to the next town and, and on to the next town as he meets needs and proclaims the gospel and then heads on to the next one, he has given us the assigned task. It's awesome. If you call current your home to proclaim his good news, both in meeting tangible needs and sharing the gospel here in the Silicon Valley. And what a gift, what a joy to get to do that together, to roll up our sleeves. And by the way, we're getting ready to really celebrate that and, and, and kind of lean into that as we continue this, uh, this study through the book of Luke. We're going to move into a new mini-series as we look at Luke 5, and we're, uh, we're, a mini-series we're going to be calling The Art of Neighboring as he starts to call his disciples and give them the mission that we already are seeing here. But right now, it starts with here. We need to make ourselves available. We need to prioritize prayer. We need to be willing to say no to certain things in order to say uh, yes to greater things. We need to be laser-focused as God allows us to be laser-focused on his mission. It's incredible to think that this is what Jesus modeled for us, and this is what we get to step into, what we get to make in our every day. It's incredible to think about because at the end of the day, everyday thing of following Jesus then becomes anything but an everyday thing. Let's pray. Father, how rich your scripture is that not only do we have in it commands and, and uh, wisdom and uh, encouragement and exhortations and the rest of it, but we also have this little beautiful picture of Jesus modeling for us, a little snapshot of what it means to follow you. Of course, this isn't everything, just a snapshot. But Lord, what, what you do have here in this text that you have, have had in front of us, Uh, Would you help us just to kind of continue to marinate on as we leave, you know, church today, as we leave our equivalent of the synagogue? Father, would you help us be people, uh, men and women, who uh, follow you in the everyday? Uh, We need your help in that. We're not going to do it perfectly. We know that. But that's part of the gospel. It's part of the good news. You give us grace. You give us mercy. And it's it's your spirit who's at work. Thank you for the recent... uh, Many people who've put their faith in you, we give you praise. For those who of you, uh, of, uh, those here today who are looking in at your claims and trying to figure it all out, maybe they're ready to make a faith decision. I pray that you'd talk in their heart even now. By the way, friend, if that's you, it really is just receiving in your heart what Jesus has done for you on the cross. You can say, Lord, I receive you today. I believe what you did on the cross. I receive what you did for me. This eternal life that you offer in Jesus, and, he, and, and the promises he'll receive you as a child. Father, we love you. Thank you for calling us as a church in this place. We pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen.